Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Well, we're back here in the land of fruit bats hanging from uh, power lines, fried fruit bats and, and prickles and um, hot concrete. I was reading in the paper this morning how someone was saying that they, they love being in Brisbane because of all these things and pawpaw trees in the backyard, mangoes. We've got a mango tree in the backyard. Um, the afternoon storms, the flat white. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for Australian coffee. It's, um, it's something I have learned to appreciate greatly as I travel. But, you know, as, um, as we enjoy this beautiful place that the Lord's given us to live, we can open our hearts and remember that the heart of the Father is that everyone everywhere would be connecting to Him. And it's His desire to get our attention and to get the attention of the whole world that they might know Him. And you know, the scripture tells us that all of creation declares His glory. And everything that we do, as we, um, as we look up at the sky at nighttime, there was a meteor shower last night. Um, as we see the stars, as we look at the beautiful moon, or as we see the sunrise, all of it is declaring the truth about who God is. And all of it is designed to capture our hearts and our attention that we might seek Him to know Him. And God's desire is that we would, we would seek Him to find Him. You know, when I was first... Um, first saved, what happened was I'd, I had grown up going to Sunday school, I believed in God, but I, I just got real with God one day in worship on a youth camp, and so I'm so excited about our youth camp coming up, but in the worship there, I just got very real with God, and I said, I can't see you, and I don't know you, I, I believe in you, but like, how, how do you connect with someone you don't see and you can't, I don't know, I can't see you, help me. And right there as I cried out, I didn't realize what I was doing, but I was seeking the Lord. I was seeking to know him. The Bible says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And as I sought to know him with my help, suddenly he enlightened the eyes of my understanding and the knowledge of him. Suddenly I'm like, oh. Ah, there you are. You're not just a concept. There you are. You're God. You're real. And God supernaturally wants to make himself real to every one of us. It, it's no way to say it's going to happen this way or that way. But there's a supernatural enlightenment that God wants to give every one of us as we posture our hearts to say, I want to connect with you. Help Help me to know you. Help me to get a sense of who I'm worshiping and who I believe in. And you know, I think that is the very essence of first love. The heart of God when he spoke to the Ephesian church in Revelation when Jesus, our beautiful Jesus was speaking to the Ephesian church, he was warning them about the importance of maintaining first love because without it, we'll burn out. And this Concept of first love, though, isn't a demand from God, you need to love me better. It's him knowing that if we don't remain in that initial posture of, 
I need to see you. I need to connect with you in a fresh way. I need, I need to worship you, not through the lens of what I know about you, but I need to have a supernatural connection with you. This is the place where we stay fired up and filled up. And this is the place of fiery first love. And for me, as we grow, I, I've grown and I know a lot more about God than I did when I was first saved, when I was 12. But knowing about him is a wonderful thing. I love to learn. He loves us to study. He loves us to learn about him through the word of God. He loves us to talk about him with each other. And all of that is wonderful. But you see, it's when we... When we come to the place of wanting to maintain first love, we've got to resist the temptation just to worship him in the level of what we know about him. When we come to sing and to worship him, we can give him thanks for what he's done and that's a powerful way to enter his presence. We can think about what we know about him and his goodness and we can give him thanks. But there's another dimension when your heart says, I can't be content staying at this place. I can't be content just worshiping you at the level of what I know about you. I need to see you. I need to see you with the eyes of my understanding. I need to know you. I want you to fill me afresh. I want to worship you face to face. Now people think, oh, you know, I don't know about that. I, I, I. But you know, it's not about an open vision or even a vision. It's about a supernatural deep need in your heart, connecting with the deep desire in his heart for the two of us, you and him, to be in a, a magnificent union of intimacy. Where we say, Lord, I seek you. I seek you to find you, to know you in a fresh way. Sometimes people get upset with me and they say, you don't need to seek him, you've already got everything. I know I do, I know. I know we have everything pertaining to life and godliness, but as I maintain a posture of, I'm not gonna be content with the, the routine of my worship from yesterday. I want today a fresh encounter with you. I, I wanna seek you and find you in a fresh way. And this is the posture that will empower you to continue following after him. Hallelujah, amen. So we're talking about, we've been talking about following the Lord and what that looks like. I just wanna share a few scriptures that have really been blessing me this week. If you wanna turn with me to Isaiah chapter one, verse 16. Hallelujah. Fear not, I bring glad tidings of great joy. You know, that's the good news of the gospel, that he wants us to recognize that the gospel is good news. It's great glad tidings. It's so good that it is beyond human comprehension and God wants us to recognize what his desire is for every one of us. It says here in verse 16, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from my sight, cease to do evil. And we'll skip down to verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Now this is beautiful. He's saying here, repent. 
Turn from your sin. That is, make a decision. I don't want that anymore. I don't want this in my life. Help me, God. I give you my sin. Here it is. I turn from that. I don't want that. I need your power, God. Uh, and as you, as you do that, as you make that choice to say, I don't want to live my life in my own strength. I choose, Lord, to, to acknowledge my need of a Savior, and I receive the grace of Jesus to make me a new creation. He says, come, now let us reason together. Here is the verdict, is another way of translating that, script, that verse. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they will be like wool. Snow and wool are both naturally white. They're inherently naturally white. God his great good news is that I've come to make you not just clean on the outside, but inherently, naturally, supernaturally white. Absolutely clean from the inside out, through and through, good. Wow. People say, hey, no one's good but God. Yes, that's right, and it's no longer you who lives, but God who lives in you. Christ who lives in you, and therefore you have been made through and through good. Hallelujah. What an astonishing thought. And so I've just been listening and, and, and pondering on this scripture. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. And the revelation of what it looks like to live in that, in that conscious awareness that I am white from the inside out. I'm not just holding the line. I'm actually transformed from the inside out. I'm not just putting everything in place so that I can hold the line. What I'm doing is I am actually living as someone that is free and new and clean, hallelujah. In the Passion Translation, the footnotes are really interesting. It says here, uh, the Lord will not only deal with our outward sins, but he will cleanse our nature, changing us from the inside out. Grace includes full amnesty. Amnesty, when you look up the word amnesty, it comes from the same root as amnesia, because amnesty means forgetting. If a government grants amnesty to, to people, to rebels or people that have done the wrong thing, when amnesty is granted, it, is, it will be as though you've never done it. We won't even recall it. We won't even remember it. Amnesty, amnesia, we're forgetting about that. Amnesty is granted, hallelujah. And in Zephaniah chapter three, I'll read this from the Amplified, it's beautiful. Zephaniah three seventeen says, the Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a savior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction. And in his love, he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. Ah, this is how he forgives us. This is the good news that he was all excited about. This is what the Lord was telling us was coming before the coming of Jesus in the, in the body of a little baby. It was prophesied centuries before, this is what's gonna happen. Great good news. 
Let us reason together. It makes no logical sense, but here God who loves justice was going to bring justice to the earth by allowing Christ who knew no sin to become sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. That magnificent divine exchange. Hallelujah. Old for new, dirty for clean, sinful scarlet for pure white, holy, righteous, the gift of God. Hallelujah. Hebrews 8 verse 12 says this, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. You know, we can read this, we can hear that, and there's multiple scriptures that tell us how God does not make mention of or recall our past sins. As far as the east is from the west, he's separated us from the sins. He says that he'll cast it into the sea of his forgetfulness. Most people who've been um, walking with the Lord for some time have discovered these wonderful truths. Hallelujah. But you know, actually allowing yourself to fully engage with that reality is another thing. Because many of us still live in the hangover of what we've done in the past or things that, we, things that we've said that we shouldn't say, things that we've done that we shouldn't, shouldn't have done and we allow ourselves to live in the place of subtle condemnation that doesn't truly believe that he could just, just like that, forget it. It's like, oh, but God, you know, oh God, again, God, I'm sorry. Oh God, you must be so annoyed. And we view him and think that he is like us. But praise God, he is so much better than humans. Hallelujah. And that's why we need to be born again because he wants us to be like him. And he forgives and forgets. He makes no mention of past sin. Which brings another challenge. You know, most of us have a sense of justice that if somebody has done something that's hurt us, the sense of justice is at least, at least they should acknowledge it to me and apologize, and then I feel like I could forgive them. At least, and, and you know, they, even if they do apologize, we hold it in storage, and occasionally might just be tempted to bring it out when someone, we're, someone else we're talking to about that person asks our opinion. But the scripture says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And if it's abundantly clear that he forgives us and forgets, then we also have no business in recalling the past sins of others. We need to be so careful when we're talking about others because culturally, we can talk to people in a way that is not the ways of the Lord. We can talk to people about the failures of others. We can talk to people about the sins and the shortcomings of others. And the Lord's there saying, well, I've forgiven and I've forgotten. What are you talking about? God's heart is that we'd start to judge ourselves like he judges us. You know, if you're doing something wrong, you should be feeling bad because it's, you've got something, a God-given special thing inside of you called a conscience. And that conscience should be going off like an alarm 
that goes, ah, ah, not good, ah, not good, ah, bad, doesn't fit, ah, no. It, that's your conscience. And if you try and theologically deal with that, it doesn't go away. You can try and muffle it with your theology. Ooh, ooh, I'm fine, I'm clean, I'm clean. And still keep doing the sin intentionally saying, but I'm free and I'm free. And your conscience will still keep going, We don't want to muffle it. We don't want to silence it. We don't want to sear our conscience because our conscience helps us recognize that, hey, you're doing something that's making you miserable. You aren't intended to live like that. I have so much better for you. There is nothing the enemy can offer you that I haven't got something that's so much better in its place. Hallelujah. It's merely uh, when, you, when you are uh, living in habitual sin, you're living in a place where you're not trusting that God has something better for you in that place. But when you turn from your sin and you say, oh, no, oh, okay, I'm glad I remember and recognize that. I'm gonna wake up and come to my senses like the guy in the pig pen. When he came to his senses, it's like a lot of people, sons and daughters, live in pig pens and they don't even realize what they're doing until suddenly they listen and they hear their conscience going beep, 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 and they realize, hang on, hang on, hey, oh, I have a father who's good. What am I doing in the pig pen? I don't actually need to be here. I don't like my life. You know, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to bring a whole lot of people to their senses to recognize that you're living in a place where you aren't called to be. You're living in a place that's lower than is destined for you. In Lodibar, <laughs> instead of in the king's palace. You know, Saul had a son that, that thought, you know, oh, I'm just gonna stay as far away as I can from the new king because I'm sure he'll hate me. And David didn't know about it, but when he finally found out about Mephibosheth, he had him brought up into the king's palace. You see, a lot of people live in the place where they are living in a pig pen, living outside of the joy and the goodness and the favor of God because they believe themselves to somehow uh, be those that are stained by sin and can't get free. The good news of the gospel that the blood of Jesus, is that the blood of Jesus Christ sets us free from the bondage of sin and death. Hallelujah. There's a bondage that comes with believing you're caught in your sin. If you're in sin, you don't have to stay there. You might think, I don't know how to get free. I don't know, I've tried, I don't know how to get free. That is a bondage that's trying to deceive you into believing that you haven't got a father you can run to. But God is releasing his Holy Spirit to waken his people up and recognize, oh, I have a father I can run to. I'm gonna run to the father. Now, father, here I am, here's my mess. And he gives us instead a ring and a robe and restores us into the, the fullness of the house of God. And this is the good news, the glorious good news of the gospel. 
It's so simple, yet there's so many that, that live below the reality of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to grab a hold of every one of us, wake up our hearts to begin to seek the Father again, to begin to seek to know Him in a fresh way so that we can be brought to our senses out of anything that might be trying to keep us in bondage. God wants us to shake off the dust from our past rejections. When He told the the disciples, Jesus told the disciples that if you go to a town and they reject you, shake off the dust before you move to the next town. God doesn't want you living in the place of believing, well, I'm rejected and rejectable, and then bring that rejection into the next, re uh, the next relationship, into the next place you go to, into the next church, into the next job. But he wants you to, every time you experience something that is less than what his intention is for you, to come and run to him, to bring him the mess and receive in exchange the miracle. To say, hey, you're a mess, mess, sorry, don't wanna do that, don't wanna live like that. I give that to you in faith and I receive in exchange the power to live free the power to remember, hallelujah, that's not who I am anymore. Thank you, Jesus. You see me white from the inside out, hallelujah. You know, then when you start to interact with people in the same way that you are interacting with God, you become delightful to be around. Instead of becoming a judge that wants to condemn and pick out the things that they're doing wrong, you can look at people and you can share the hope that you have in your heart, the reason for your smiling eyes, the reason for your supernatural peace, the reason for your freedom, the reason for your hope. The world's looking for hope. They're looking for a, a true father, a kind father, a father that's ready to forgive, a father that has done everything that needs to be done in order for you to come home. But there's an enemy too, and he wants to lie to people to say, you can't come, you're not clean, you can't, you, you, you're in bondage, you'll never get free. I believe that the Lord is wanting to release a fresh revelation of the people of God running into the Father's arms on a daily basis where mm, 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 I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run into your arms, I'm gonna run to you because I have faith to believe that every time I call on your name, every time I lift my eyes to you, you are happy to see me and you are there ready to help me. You see, if you live in a posture of believing that he's your ever-present help in time of need, you get help all the time. But Aussie culture tends to be, she'll be right, mate, no worries, I'm fine. I don't need anything. I'm okay, no worries. When in fact, you've got deep worries, you've got deep anxieties, you've got deep struggles, you've got deep addictions. And the fear of being vulnerable with God or with people is that you're going to be rejected or that you're gonna be judged or you're gonna be measured and discovered to be not measuring up. Well, this is the good news. You run to God, he doesn't pull out a measuring tape. 
He doesn't go, okay, all right, so you're coming to me. Who do you think you are? You sorted your life out yet? Are you living holy and perfect? That's, that's just not what he does. He doesn't measure you. He doesn't see how you're doing. When you come in a posture of humility and say, hey, Daddy, help me, I am messing, I'm messing, it is. You know, a mother or a father with a child who, who messes their nappy doesn't go, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed that my child did that. <laughs> they just clean it up. And if you will come to him with your mess, he'll so clean you up. He'll make you as white as snow and he won't just, he won't just be a Band-Aid. I see people get very nervous about the good news of the gospel because they think, well, it's just gonna provide people with an excuse just to keep living in sin and then applying the blood and living in sin and applying the blood. But that's not a true understanding of what the gospel is. The, the blood was never meant to be a covering. It was meant to be something that actually changed you from the inside out and empowered you to be a new creation. And so when you come to him and you go, yeah, yeah, I know that, but I have been messing up. Well, you come and you be authentic and real and honest and humble with the Lord and say, oh God, I need your help. He's there. I'm so glad you asked. Here I am. I'm here to be your great savior and your great help, your glory and the lifter of your head so you can see the light, the truth, the countenance of my face that you might remember who you are so that you might become a doer of the works and live as you were created to be. He didn't come to destroy your fun. He came to give you life and life more abundant. Some people fear that if I come to him, I, I feel like I know I understand I need to do that, but I don't wanna, I like sinning. No, I heard that, um, I, I was sharing with a, a, a air steward and um, I'm, I'm traveling so much, they get to know me now. I gave one of them my book and in fact, one of the people who came to our conference met them on the plane and started sharing the gospel with them and, um, and, and he said, do you, I met someone else like you, do you know? And they said, they described me. They said, do you know? And he said, yeah, I know, she gave me her book. I'm not really into it, he says. I'm, I, I appreciated her giving it to me, but you know, I, I, like, I like my sin. <laughs> but then I saw him again and, and uh, you know, God's working on his heart. But you see, the lie is that sin is actually gonna make you happier than freedom. God didn't come to take away your joy or your fun or your life. He came to give you absolute true joy, true freedom, true peace. I was reading, um, I think it was Psalm 119 today, true happiness comes from walking in integrity. But walking in integrity is not something you have to have to do, it's something you get to do when you lay your life before him and say, I want you to make me new. Hallelujah. Then as one who is new and one who is clean, you get to walk in the freedom of recognizing that life with him is an adventure. Life with him is one of supernatural, consistent joy, consistent peace and righteousness that will bless the world around me.
Amen. Father, I thank you. And Lord, I just ask for everyone that's listening or watching that you would help them, Father, today to bring their mess, bring their sin to you in the name of Jesus and exchange it for mercy, exchange it for forgiveness, exchange it for righteousness in the name of Jesus Christ, that they would lay hold of the sacrifice of Christ and receive in exchange for their sin his mercy, his mercy that doesn't even remember or make mention of their past sins. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We've been hearing some wonderful testimonies even this week. I was hearing testimonies of people that um, a lady last time I was in Tasmania who was scheduled for a hip operation, who'd been instantly healed and went back to the doctor the following week because uh, who verified she no longer needs a hip replacement, no longer needed any medication or anything, was completely healed. Another lady completely deaf in one, one ear, uh, gloriously instantly healed, her ear opened up completely. Um, others who've had um, their backs and other things healed. It's just beautiful, which we, why we love you sending in your testimonies so that we can celebrate with you. And um, people being delivered from all sorts of diseases and sicknesses, because nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with him. He's a good father. And my heart's cry for every one of you is that you would live this week and throughout this whole holiday season in a place of coming back to, okay, God, am I living and worshiping in the paradigm of where I've been? Or am I living in a posture of seeking to find you in a fresh way today? Because the promise of God is that if you posture your heart like that to say, I want you, I want to know you, help. He promises that you'll find him. He promises that he'll help you. When you seek him with all your heart, you will find him, the Bible says. Now, my desire would be that as you lie on your beds tonight and you go to sleep or as you wake up in the morning, that you'd talk to the Lord and say, God, I want to be real with you. I want to know you. Help. Help me to know you. I want to worship you. I want to, I want to connect with you in a real way. And he will. And he will. He will light up your heart with fresh hope, with fresh vision. He will manifest himself, make himself real to you in his own personal way. I'm gonna pray with a few people in just a, in just a minute and we're gonna ask the team to come. But before I do that, if you're here today and you know in your heart you haven't surrendered your life to the Lord and you haven't yielded your life to receive his in exchange, I wanna give you that opportunity today. Now the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we can't have fellowship with light if we have any sin in our lives at all, if we have done anything to make us unholy. It's a stain that we cannot get rid of and therefore cannot be joined to a holy God. So without Jesus, we cannot have eternal life. We can't be joined to God. He is the only way to salvation. 
But if we humble ourselves and say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and he bore my sin and he rose again and I believe that he offers me salvation and you bring him your life, your sin, your shame, your guilt and you lay it at the foot of his cross in faith and believe that he gives you his forgiveness, his mercy, his righteousness, his forgiveness that won't even remember your past sin and give you a new, clean, white heart. The Bible says you will be born again. He will come and he'll make him his home on the inside of you. He'll never leave you or forsake you and you will go and be with him both now and for eternity together with him forever. It's, it's the reconciliation that God has longed for. But it requires a humility and a response that says, I want to acknowledge that I need you as savior. Pride says, I don't need it, I'm right, no worries. Humility says, I do need help, I need a savior, I need mercy. I wanna receive the gift of grace, I wanna receive the gift of Jesus, and I wanna be born again. If that's you today and you know in your heart you aren't following God. You aren't walking with God. He longs for you to come into the light because he wants you to come to your senses and recognize you have a father who wants to restore you into relationship. If that's you today, would you just wave your hand at me? I'm gonna pray for you before we pray for anyone else. Is anyone here that says, yes, I wanna respond to the mercy of God. I wanna receive Jesus as my savior today. Just let me see your hand if that's you. Hallelujah. So Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at infoglorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.